We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are back. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Tuesday, September 13th. We are about, what, four days away from Notre Dame hosting Cal and Notre Dame trying to get back into some sort of winning tradition. I think, Ryan, things are just kind of starting to pile up. The pressure starting to pile up. I know Marcus Freeman said yesterday there's no pressure on us. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on him. And they need to get better and better and better. Today, we're going to talk about the offense. And with all due respect to Cal, we're going to preview Cal at some point later this week. But the reality is, this isn't about Cal. If mm-hmm. Notre Dame plays their game, not only do they beat Cal, but they're probably 3-0 and right now, or worse, 2-1. and But they're not playing their game. And they're not playing in a way that is allowing them to be the team that I think they should be and can be. And so what we're going to talk about these next couple of days, Ryan, is we're going to address a lot of the things that need to get fixed. And some of it's just personnel, some of it's philosophy, some of it's schematic, and they're all going to be things that we think you can fix now. There are going to be some things that need to get fixed that are going to have to get fixed in the offseason. It's, it's too late. This is, this is just where you are. Yep. But I do think there are things that can get fixed now. We saw it last year. You know, They made some offensive changes last year. Uh, they made some defensive changes early in the season that got the defense really right and rolling. We saw it on offense. And so we're going to bring up some of those things. And and we told you we were critical of what happened on Saturday this weekend, but we said we're going to now talk about what to do next and what we think can happen next. And so we're going to offer some of those things that we need to see from Notre Dame. Uh, and honestly, I think they're all things they should do. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about them. But there are things that I think could really help this football team. Some are minor and some are pretty major, but they're all things that are doable within season. And that's going to be the focus of today's game because today's show. Because yes, the defense needs to get better, but the defense has given you an opportunity within the issues they've had to be two and zero. You're zero and two because your offense hasn't done need to do. Now I, I know long drives late in the game; those are big. Defense got has to get better, but it should have never come to those long drives. And that's mm-hmm. where your offense comes into play. And so that's what we're going to address today, right? And of course, with the mindset of who the quarterback is now, which is Drew Pine, which means. Drew Pine goes from the guy a week ago that everybody said should play to now the guy that everyone's going to say needs to be benched because that's the life of the starting quarterback in Notre Dame. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That it man, it is so funny. The most popular person on a football team is the backup quarterback. Always, they always want to see him play. But we'll see. I mean, again, hoping for the best. We we said it, Brian. We didn't know that it'd be this, to this extent, but we said in the preseason that Drew Pine was going to be an important player in this season, right? And he's going to have his opportunity to right the ship. Weather the storm, whatever cliche you want to use as far as what he's going to be doing with Notre Dame, but he's in a big spotlight, obviously. But I, I like this podcast that we're doing today specifically because I think it's important to have a growth mindset. I do. It, we had a couple of days where we just dwelled and we complained. Yeah, we vented and, and, vented. and Everyone needs that, man. Everyone needs that. But now it's about moving forward, right? And for Notre Dame to be the best version of themselves from this point, for the rest of the 2022 season and to have some momentum here moving forward. These are the changes that we need to see happen. This is what right. needs to happen for Notre Dame to get back on track because although everybody wants to fire Marcus Freeman already, sure. I still believe in Marcus Freeman. Yeah. I do. And well, I still think that, yeah. yeah. And, and it's just, we're, we're not going to get into the whole emotional stuff and fire this person, that person. Nobody's getting fired right now. Okay. No, nope. Nobody's getting fired right now. And you rarely fire a coach in season, assistant coach, head coach, unless there's some sort of you know egregious thing going on, and that's not happening right now. Right. So we will, we will, we're going to stick with reality. We're, we're going to put our big boy pants on and, and deal with things that are that are reality. And and the reality is this fixing things, and that's going to be the key. And that's Marcus Freeman's job. Get it right. Doesn't matter how you got here. Matters what you do next. And that's the mindset that the Notre Dame players need to have. They need to kind of be a little bit ticked off. They need to be a little bit, okay, yes, ticked off, but ticked off from the standpoint of now what are you going to do about it type of thing. And that's what we're going to discuss today. And, Ryan, we're going to kind of look at it from four different directions. Number one, we're going to talk about personnel changes. Number two, we're going to talk about scheme changes, run game-wise, scheme philosophy changes run game-wise. Number three, we're going to talk about scheme and sort of philosophy changes in the past game. And then four, we're going to go to sort of a big picture overall offensive changes needed to make. So things that are not necessarily run game related, 
pass game related, but just bigger picture changes that needed to be made needed to be made and made quickly because the reality is, Ryan, when Drew Pine is your quarterback, you are a different offense. And I know for Coach Freeman said you say, you know, offense doesn't change a whole lot yet to us. Because your run game, the only run game you had that was working the first two games was your quarterback, and that's not Drew Pine. And so, yes, he can scramble a little bit and all that, but you're not running read zone with him. You're not running power read with him. You're not – and you can run it, but teams aren't respecting it. You're not going to impact teams. So maybe you do it on a third and two if they overload it and you've got the read zone called and he can just pull it and pick, move the chains. Sure, but that's really the extent of it. He's, he's a take-you-off-guard type of design runner. He's not a – huge part of the elements of your running attack being the right. quarterback run game. So yeah, right. I mean, he, like he can do Saturday. some stuff out of structure. When yeah. the offense was just bogged down, they said, okay, let's just let Tyler run it. And yes. they went right down the field and scored a touchdown. You don't have that in your repertoire now with, yep. with Tyler Buckner out. That's not Drew Pine's game. That's not Steve Angeli's game. That's not Ron Paul's the third game. The only way you're doing that is if you go to a wildcat, that's the only way you're doing that. And with not right. without one of these guys. So, we're going to talk reality and who this team is and, and what needs to be changed because the standard doesn't change. The expectations don't change. You're going to go out and win week after week after week, and you've got to get that thing rolling right away. Because for me, Ryan, for all the frustration that we've had the first two weeks, the reality is Notre Dame led Ohio State for a much longer period of time than Ohio State led Notre Dame. Notre yep. Dame had multiple opportunities in the fourth quarter against Marshall to win that game and win that game convincingly if they could put a couple drives together. And so, but you didn't get it done. The, the reason that's important to say is because it's not like you're just out here getting destroyed every week and you're just like, wow, it's yep. all fixable. Almost all of it is fixable. And that's what we're going to focus on is the fixable stuff that can get you to where you need to get to. So Ryan, let's begin first and foremost with, personnel changes because I do think there need to be personnel changes. And in some instances it's because guys aren't getting the job done, but in other instances, just because playing these guys more is going to make your team better. And, and that's what we're going to discuss first. And I think the first one is one that we, I wrote an article about yesterday and that is putting Chris Tyree in at running back that to me. Now he is the, he is the number one running back. Let me be more specific. He has started, he started last Saturday and the, cause they started in 21 personnel. He has played a lot of snaps. What we're more talking about is making him the focal point of your offense, feature of your run game from a touches standpoint. And that has not been the case. He's had nine carries in two games, and two of them are handing him the ball off in the half to run the clock out. And so that is where we're going to be at. Chris Tyree right now needs to become, and we'll talk about why, but he needs to become a focal point of your offense starting yesterday. No, actually, today will be the first day of, of Cal prep. So yeah. starting today, it needs to start today. Brian, he's he's still the most frustrating, confusing usage guy. Like I, I just I'm so it's it, I, I just can't I, I can't wrap my mind around it. Right. Because mm -hmm. when you're not blocking well, right, so when you're not blocking well and there's some inconsistencies just from your offensive line in, in general, wouldn't you want the guy that you have a larger margin for error for, right? Like, because if, if he's able to just break a little crease, then he's going to create a big play, right? And I think that you would want to feature that guy when maybe you're not blocking the best you possibly can because there's ways that you can manipulate space and get him in space. And they've done that a little bit. I mean, like in the first game, they ran some jet stuff to him, but that was basically all they ran with him. Right. There's ways that you can get him one-on-one -on -one in the passing game. I mean, we, they've tried to do it. I think they ran like a little – 
option route last game where they caught yeah, the ball right. it was just a, and it was just a little now screen is what they exactly did. all it yeah. was and he caught the ball behind the line made a dude miss and picks up nine yards all, all i know is when you're not when you're not getting a, a substantial amount of push up front and not maintaining blocks i want a guy like him that can make you look good even when things aren't maybe going as well up front as you want right because the thing about audrey guesme you know i love audrey guesme i think he's going to be a fantastic runner for notre dame but he does need blocking up front to be right. an effective runner. He needs to get downhill. He needs to get his momentum there. Chris Tyree can make you look good when things aren't perfect sometimes. Sure. Like that's what he can do, right? right? So he is absolutely a focal point. I need him to be involved in the run game, in the pass game, in the kick return game. I know we're talking about an offensive specific, but he needs his touches. It is a paramount thing because you need to supplement touches in the run. I mean, because Tyler Buckner's out now. So you need to supplement those run those touches in the run game somewhere, right? So let's make it easy. Let's supplement it to Chris Tyree, the most dynamic player on our offense. I think it's easy. Right. And I think that that helps the other guys too. Mm-hmm. I think that helps Audric Estime. I think that helps him because now there's not that pressure of, hey, you're our, you're our guy. I want to see them do what they've done this past week, which is more 21 personnel. But let Chris kind of be that that lead back at times. And and do things where you're you're using him. Let him run some of the inside zone stuff. Let him run the counters. Let him run the outside zone track that Notre yep. Dame wants to get going. And, and you can also do the, those things with Audrey Gaston because, as we said, you need to play around to your players' strengths. But they're taking that way too far right now. In that they're only doing certain things with Chris Tyree, and they're only doing certain things with Audrey Gaston, which makes it really easy for defenses to kind of know when this guy's in the game. Here's what they're doing. And then based on how Notre Dame is lining up with their, their alignments, which we'll get into a little bit, you kind of know where they're going with the ball, and that's mm-hmm. problematic, right? So on top of some of the other run game fixes, I think Chris Tyree being more of a focal point. Now, does that mean that Chris Tyree needs to touch the ball 20 times a game? No, that's not what we're saying. But he needs to touch it. He needs to carry it more than nine times over a two-game span with two of them not really being real carries. I mean, you're yep. just here running – you know, I'm sure they'd like him to rip off a 60-yard run there, but you're not running that play thinking, gee, I think on this inside zone play, we might crease it for 60 yards right. You know, now that he's there. So I think that's one change that needs to make. I think that, help, like I said, that'll help Audric Estime. I think it'll help the line get some confidence going. And, and obviously Chris needs to execute in those situations too, but I think the opportunities have to be there. You have yeah. to get him more involved. And then that also makes him more – here's the thing, right – Get him more involved in the normal runs, and now all of a sudden teams can't be as anticipating, okay, let's guard against the jet, the screens, the wheels, because that's all they're using him for. So right. when that's all you're using him for, it's a lot easier to, to game plan how to stop him. When you know on one snap he could just hit you with an inside zone, on the next snap you may you know boom him out, boom his emotion, boom him out and throw him a, a, a screen. you know, Or even if you don't boom him out, just let him run a screen from the backfield right? Because he is faster than the linebackers. You can use him now more on screens if he's a greater part of the run of the, of the offense, because now you're not keying that. Right. And so that's, uh, then Ryan, I just made a note. That's something that we, we have to add to the past game thing that we forgot to, we had talked about before we forgot to add to our pre pregame or pre-show notes, but those are things I think you can all do. And then that takes some of the pressure off Audric Estime. And now Audric can kind of slowly start to build into the role that you want him to have. And hopefully by then the run get the offensive line is getting going a little bit more too. I like that you mentioned 21 personnel because we already talked about it, right? You're not going to run quarterback power read. You're not going to run just zone read a ton. But what you can, Brian, is that if you're running out of two with two backs in the game, 
you can supplement those touches, right? Because you can still run the jet with Chris Tyree and then give the 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 power look to Audric Estime off of that read, right? You can still mm-hmm. do things where, hey, inside zone to Audric Estime, now you have Chris Tyree coming around on a little swing, so he's basically right. the outside run. Like, right. you can supplement. It's your it's version not, of triple option is what it is, Ryan. 100%. And it's not going to look the same as it did with Tyler Buckner, but it's still the same conceptual things, right? Like the threat right. – for the inside and out are still there, which is vital, I think, for this offense, especially because right. we, I mean, we're going to talk more about Drew Pine later, but Drew Pine with, without the running threat that Tyler Buckner is, things are going to get a little more condensed, right? So using the speed of Chris Tyree to open things up horizontally a little bit and get guys out of the box and continue to have numbers games, I think that's vital. So I love the idea of 21 personnel. I think that that is yeah. Not featured because you can't run it exclusively, but it should be a heavy mix in the in the run game. Yeah. In my opinion. Well, one be. thing I like is if you put here's something I like because again I'm not running power read with with uh, <laughs> with uh, with Drew Pine. I'm not. Mm-hmm. But here's what I can do: I can have Tyree in the slot to the left or Braden mm-hmm. Lindsey, and then I can have Audric estimate to my left, and then I can motion that guy and I can run my power read option. And you can go back to I mean you go back to old school spread stuff. And you're not running the quarterback, but you're read, 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 shovel. Remember how Utah mm-hmm. used to do that back in the day? Oh, yeah. Dan Mullen was the OC. I mean, that's still a concept. You're running power, but now you're doing it with a with a shovel pass, and you know, where you're still getting that action. And yep. so to me, that's that's uh, I mean, that's where some of the creativity needs to get from, where you say, Hey, how can we supplement this and still get our guys' touches to where now Tyree and estimate or Lindsay and estimate are still options. Or here's a thought go 11 personnel and, and have it be Chris Tyree is the shovel option. You know, I mean, there's all types of different things you can do and it's one play. It's one play that you're running a lot of different ways. And that's, you're going to hear that theme here in a little bit. I think another thing needs to happen at running back too. And and I'm not going to take the, the stance that a lot of people are taking on Logan Diggs. I think Logan Diggs needs to play less right now, but not for the reasons that I think a lot of people are saying. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you, me, you, and Sean Davis were got together yesterday after the show. Yep. And we talked about just we're watching him play. We went through, pulled some clips up, and it is very obvious that Logan has zero faith right now in his left shoulder. If yep. you go look at the stiff arm he had, like he just didn't want to put his arm out. Guess what play he got injured on in the spring? stiff arming a guy with his left hand the pass pro where he got beat he is there and instead of stepping into the guy with his left shoulder he turns and tries to throw his right shoulder into the guy that is a kid that mentally does not have confidence in his shoulder and you're going to hurt that kid by putting him go out putting him out there you're either going to hurt him mentally or you're going to hurt him physically because he's still protecting his shoulder a running back that is protecting his shoulder is going to hurt himself more and so mm-hmm. to me, it's about get him out, right? And and not in a negative way. It's like, look, this is on us. This is the conversation I'm having. I, it, if it's me, it's going to be Coach Freeman, Coach Reese, and Coach McCullough all calling Logan in and saying, hey, look, man, this is on us. You did everything right. You worked hard. You rehabbed like crazy. You got that. But look, you're clearly not confident there. We're going to pull you back a couple weeks let you get healthy and get right, and then we're going to get you back in there because Logan Diggs is too good of a player from what we have seen to look like how he's looked the first two games. And he's running like a back that doesn't have confidence in his shoulder. 
And that's a scary thing because it, 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 if they keep doing it, he'll either get the confidence back and play better, or it'll get to the point where he never gets it back. Yep. And that's a scary thing, and we've seen that. So they need to pull back with him. And I know why they forced him, because there's other depth issues, but also because he's a good player. But he's not playing. He's a liability right now. And I don't mean that to be critical of Logan. I don't think you should have put him in the situation that you did. That was a concern you and I had, Ryan, with him coming in was, how's that going to be with that shoulder? Because a back and a shoulder is is a dangerous thing. We were talking about how you hope to have him back by October. And then all of a sudden, he's back for the opener. I think they rushed him too quickly. And that's more of a medical thing, I think, than anything. But I think the coaches also needed to they need to see this and say, look, this isn't this is not the actions of a kid who doesn't want contact. We know right. that Logan Diggs has no issues with contact. It's this is a kid that has no faith in his left shoulder that got hurt. And that's why he's doing I mean it's it's obvious. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to stiff arm with his left arm. He doesn't want to lead into a block with his left shoulder. That's a mental thing, Ryan, and and you've got to you've got to get him out of there and let him get right mentally and physically before you put him back in there. I mean, because the thing of it is, Brian, is that anybody that doesn't have confidence is not going to play very well. But especially such a young guy, man. Like right. I think we forget sometimes that he's a sophomore, right? Like he's nineteen, maybe twenty years old, like maybe, right? So when you don't have confidence, man, like you're just not going to play well. You're just not, and and you can see it right now, unfortunately. And to your yeah. point. He's a really talented player. He really is. He's a gifted football player. But the physicality he runs with is a big part of his game, man. And the ability right. to pass block and do all those types of things, like you need that at the running back position. You need it. And right yeah. now he just is not able to fulfill his duties. Like I did the same thing in high school. Like my senior year, I tore the labrum in my left shoulder. So I had to have like one of those harnesses on, right? Mm-hmm. And I played linebacker. It's like the same deal. Like bad shoulders at linebacker is a no-go, man. And I lost confidence and I started tackling everything with my right shoulder. I did not tackle a single play with my left shoulder. The course of the course of the second half of the season just didn't do it because you lack confidence. But you, you, you probably missed some tackles you otherwise might not have might have made because of that. I would have. I was I was also a left tackle. So I didn't have a left arm. So when, when some guys went outside track, I would just stick it out there and then just try to ride it outside. It just would not work, man. It just would not work. So I became a liability to my team. Yeah. And it's unfortunate this happens. But the key thing is that, to your point, Logan Diggs is a really young football player right now, mm-hmm. right? He's really young. And you do not want to hurt this kid mentally right. and to cost him the entirety of his future because it can right. happen. I've seen it happen, man. There's guys that get injured and they're healthy fully, but they just seem a step slower. They seem a step hesitant because they never gain that confidence back. You right. can't let that happen with this kid. You can't. I think another change that needs to happen, there's going to be two changes that we believe need to happen at wide receiver. And the first one is Tobias Merriweather needs to play. Uh, no more of this. Look, and this is all we've heard. <clears throat> we've 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 heard about oh, well, you know, he he does they got to you got to earn trust, you got to do this. I'm so tired of hearing that over the years. I'm so sick of hearing that. I thought when Brian Kelly was gone, we would be done with that. I mean, there were times on Saturday on defense, both of the corners were true freshmen. Right? You got to give him a chance to play. Tobias yeah. Merriweather's too talented, too talented, and everything we've heard from all of our sources, everything the co- coaches said publicly is he works hard. Right. Mm-hmm. So this whole he doesn't know the whole offense. I don't care. I do not care. Number one, it's your job as a coach to get him going. It starts with Tommy Reese and it goes to Chancey Stuckey. Get him going. Number one. Number two, 
figure out what he does know right now and help him become really good at that and then get him the flipping ball. Because what's happening right now is you have a bunch of smaller guys. Lorenzo Styles is your big, is your long receiver. Jaden Thomas is a different animal. We'll get to him here in a minute. But as far as the guys can stretch vertically, well, when you have smaller coach, smaller receivers, and you're running a bunch of vertical stuff and horizontal, vertical meaning four verts, and then off of horizontal stretches, your margin for error on those smaller players is a lot, a lot smaller. Yeah. When you got a big 6'4 kid with super long arms, guess what? He's covered. Don't care. Throw it up. Let him go make a play on it. Right. Back and shoulder, throw it up in the air. Yep. They should have done the first two games. Flat out, no excuses. Don't want to hear any BS. Don't care if it was Ohio State. Don't care about anything. No excuse. Coaching fail. Right. Simple as that. But here's the great thing about coaching fails. I've made them. Ryan, I've made coaching mistakes, personnel wise, all types of things. You've made them when you were a coach. Oh, you yeah. got a chance to correct them. As long as you still have games left, you have a chance to correct them. So this isn't a bash Tommy, bash Chancy. Hey, this is what you did. It was the wrong move. Fix it. Get Tobias going. I've, I can't tell you, you know, time and time and time again, how many times I've heard uh, from a defensive player or a defensive, you know, someone associated with a defensive player, whatever else the case may be, of of being in a situation that says, hey, look, man, the toughest kid that we have to guard in practice is Tobias Merriweather. So there's literally no, I mean, I haven't heard, I haven't heard any, a single, like you could hear, you'd hear from some people things about Jordan Johnson and make say, yeah, okay, I understand why they don't trust him. I think he should have played more, but I understand why I didn't trust him. I haven't heard any of that about Tobias Merriweather. And he was a better player coming out than Jordan Johnson was. So flat out, he needs to play. And I'm not talking about just giving him five, 10 snaps a game. He needs to play. He needs to play. Honestly, for me right now, if I'm at Notre Dame or if I'm Marcus Freeman or if I'm Tommy Reese and I'm going to step up and say, hey, what needs to happen? Here's what needs to happen. Your starting receiving core is Lorenzo Styles and Tobias Merriwell on the outside and Braden Lindsay in the slot. And then I'm going to move Braden and, and Lorenzo around a little bit and, and say, this is what we're doing. We're going with speed and size. And then Jaden Thomas, you're going to mix in at different spots. You know, that's fine. If when Joe Wilkins gets back, he can mix in at different spots when he's more healthy. Deion Coles, gets healthy. He can, but that's my starting lineup. That's what I'm rolling with. Yep. Those three at receiver and Chris Tyree at running back is my starting lineup. And then mixing in those other players. That's flat out what they need to do starting now. I'm not talking about playing him a little bit more, Ryan. I'm saying screw it. Row and two, <laughs> right? Yeah. The veterans yeah. that know everything have yet to get to 20 points in a game. You're zero and two. You just lost to Marshall. Mm-hmm. Play him. Play him. It's this is another bizarre one for me because uh, we spent most of the summer leading into the fall, Brian, talking about which of the big receiver, which big receiver is going to kind of be a breakout, and obviously that's talking about Tobias Merriweather, and it's talking about Deion Colsey, and with Deion Colsey out, I mean. You need to supplement the size somewhere, man. Like you need it, right? Like you, it's just seems like such a no brainer that he should be playing football. And and again, like I understand partly to it. I know me and Sean were talking about it a little bit yesterday. If there's not trust there, I get it to a degree. But to your point, you can simplify a wide receiver's responsibilities pretty easily, right? Like you can make you can give him a little bit of a niche role and and you know maybe a abbreviated offense that he can run or at least abbreviated section of the playbook where he can become a player in, in your offense. And right now with 
the inconsistencies you're having at wide receiver, with the depth issues you're having at wide receiver, there's no reason for him not to play. It's not there's like no other dudes are playing well, and you can right. justify, hey, look, I'm, here's why he's not playing. Like in 2018, they should have played Brayden Lindsey and Kevin Austin a little bit more. But mm-hmm. the ex- excuse was, yeah, but who am I taking off? Miles Boykin is having a great year. Chase Claypool's yeah. having a really good year. Chris Fink was really good. You could somewhat understand it then. My whole thing is, yeah, I mean, those guys need breathers too. They wore down a little bit in November. But it's like you could at least understand it. After right. what we saw the first two games, I'm sorry. There is no justification for it. There is no excuse no. for it. Unless the kid's not working hard, which nobody I've ever talked to has said about him, or unless the kid literally just doesn't know a single play, then, you know, look, then, then okay, here's what you do then. Give him a freaking wristband and, and write on there, this is what you do on every play. Right? I've or, done that before. Or have or have uh, Lorenzo Styles whispered into his ear. Like, whatever it takes, yes. man. Like, there's yes. options to, to figure that stuff out. There's options to figure that out. Yes. But needs to happen. Needs to happen. That's has to, that has to happen, and it has to happen right now. Okay? Because in two years, you've got a chance to have this receiving core look a whole lot different. And you yes. know, part of the reason that you're not hearing enough about hold up, well, these guys haven't played a lot of snaps is because you didn't play them in the past. That's why. Mm-hmm. And so just like last year, Lorenzo style should have been a part of that rotation day one, Early. especially once yeah. Lawrence keys bailed. Then he yep. flat out should have been a guy from day one, but they waited until Joe Wilkins got hurt against Cincinnati before they got to that part. So here's another receiver change that I think needs to happen uh, right now. That is Xavier Watts needs to have a sit down with the coaches. They need to have a sit down with Xavier Watts, excuse me, all the way around <laughs> and say, Hey, look, man, we love what you're doing on defense, but two things. Number one, we can't, we can't justify having you playing both ways because you're, 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 we're taking away from you being as good as you can be at both spots at safety. Brandon's playing well, DJ and Houston are doing some good things. You've got Ramones getting better and better and better. We need you on offense. And then you move mm-hmm. him to the offense and you play him now. Yes. Now you mm-hmm. get him the ball now, because here's one thing that I can guarantee you. I don't know if Xavier Watts is going to be an impact player. I don't know if he's ever going to be the receiver. I think he can be, but you know what? I know he's going to bring to you something you're greatly lacking right now. A warrior, a yeah. kid that is going to fight, scrap, claw, play with attitude, call people out, fight and and, and I'm going to say it again, fight, scrap and claw. And there is there is a, a severe lacking of compete level at receiver right now. Here's the thing that's making me really sad right now. You know who the only receiver I've seen that's fought for the football at all this year? It's Braden Lindsay and Matt Salerno. That's it. Yeah. With, that's it. That interception on Saturday, again, the second one, the pick six, yeah, Tyler shouldn't have thrown that ball there, no doubt. My mayor was open on the other side of the field. But that was not a ball that in any universe should have ever been in, intercepted by a guy that wants to be out there, right? And, and so, and, and better, better, less a pick six at that, right? Like it was, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, so, so Jaden Thomas, we hear great things about what he's doing in practice. The concern you and I always had was until the spring game, we'd never really seen him do it. And you know my feeling about spring game. We didn't see him do it again in practice this year. And then he's banged up and he's not in there. He's got a, he's got a, like we talked about how he can play all those different positions. I think there, I think we put too much on him expectation wise early on. I think the coaches did too. They need mm-hmm. to find a spot for Jaden. And to me, it needs to be in the slot right now. Start in the slot, let him work there. And then as he gets more comfortable and gets more experience, then you can expand his role. 
That's on me, right? I'll own that. That's something I said you can use him all over. But as uh, the kid never played a snap of, of, of played very, very few snaps of Division One football. He played like five or six last year. Mm-hmm. So put too much on him too early. Get him the slot. Yep. Let him learn. Let him get comfortable there. Then build out because that's going to be an overall theme we're going to talk about in a lot of things. Simplify. Like linebacker, you're asking these linebackers to play all over. You know what? That's on us, right? Let's limit some of that right now until the kids prove that they can do the one thing. Then once they prove they can do the one thing, then you can ask them to do a second thing. And then once they learn to do the second thing, you can then help them do the third thing. There's yeah. only one guy that I've seen so far. Well, I mean, Braden Lindsay and Lorenzo Styles have proven to me they can do a little bit of multiple things. But with Tobias, he's my W right now. With with Jaden, he's playing slot for me right now, right? And that's where I'm going to have him working. And that's what I'm doing. So I'm not saying yank Jaden Thomas out. He has not played well the first two games. What I am saying, though, is, however, you're asking him to do too much, and he's playing slow. Not, mm-hmm. not, not that he is slow. He's not a burner. We've never thought that, but he's playing slow. And as I explained on Sunday, you can tell the difference between a guy who is slow and a guy who is running slow. And there is a difference. Jaden is running slow because he's unsure of what he's doing. I think those are three, those are to me four changes that have no receiver. So Tobias at W, Ryan, I'm going to wrap it up mm-hmm. with this and then you comment on it. Yep. Tobias at W, this is what I'm starting with on Saturday against Cal, 11 personnel. Chris Tyree's my number one back. Michael Mayer's my tight end. Tobias is my W. Braden Lindsay is my Z. Lorenzo, Lorenzo Styles is my X. That's my starting lineup. And, and Jaden Thomas is going to work some in the slot. Joe Wilkins is healthy, he can work some outside. Braden can play inside and out. Lorenzo can play inside and out. And then there we're going. That's what I'm rolling with. And that gives Drew Pine a a big guy to throw to, which he's going to need, and then a lot of speed to throw to, which is going to fit with some of the other things we're going to talk about later. That's what I'm doing, Ryan. What say you? Yeah. No, I I agree completely with I need Lorenzo Styles and Braden Lindsay to the fields. I need them out there because I think they can be a little bit interchangeable, Brian, right? Like I think that there's spots where – I can move Brain Lindsay outside and let him take the top off the defense and also let Lorenzo Styles do some of that quick separating stuff inside in breaking routes, you know, RPO action, whatever it is. Like I think that they can supplement each other very well. They can complement each other really well. The biggest issue, and again, I, I just go back to it again, man, is that they just don't have playmaking size right now at that W position. They just don't have it, right? Because like I think that I still think Lorenzo Lorenzo Styles I thought had some really nice moments against Marshall. I think he's going to be a fantastic receiver for Notre Dame, but I don't want him to have to be thrown into the W if unnecessarily. And right now, Jaden Thomas. Did you say Lorenzo Styles? Is that who? You yeah, said? I don't. I, okay. I don't want to see Lorenzo yeah. Styles at the W. Yeah. I don't want to see Jaden Thomas at the W just because he's again like you can tell that he is not playing confidently right now. I want to see someone that has playmaking size, playmaking ability in a bigger frame out in W. So, I, I mean, we've been talking about it for weeks. I want to see Tobias Merriweather play. Like, I yeah. do. If Deion Cole, especially if, with, if Deion Colsey's out too, right? If Deion Colsey's injured and not available, then we Which need to have, look, find it he doesn't somewhere. Look, I don't know if you saw him in pregame, Ryan, but like, yeah. He doesn't look sharp. Like, he doesn't look no. like he has any burst off. He's got this giant knee brace on his knee. I just don't think he can go right now. I don't think right? so either. And that's and, been and, a big – I mean, he hasn't been able to stay healthy for a chunk of his Notre Dame career. Well, and I, I was going to say, too, is he would probably be in a similar spot that Jaden Thomas is in, right? Even if he was asked to play, yeah. it's like he's not conf- – like, is he going to be confident on it right now? Because yeah. that's the biggest thing with Deion Colsey is Deion Colsey is he's a height, weight, speed guy, right? Like he's a guy that can push it vertically. 
if he's not able to do those things, then he also is a player that is probably going to be lacking in confidence as well. So my whole point of it is though, is that I think that Lorenzo styles will be much better suited to play a position other than W. I do not want to see him force there because they don't have another answer. I think you might have an answer on the roster. You just, for whatever reason, have not played him right. yet. So and I, there's I no need excuse to not to. No, no excuse, excuse not to. And another person who plays some W is Michael Mayer. And so we'll, we'll get into that as well. So those are those are some personnel changes. Offensive line-wise, Ryan, I don't know if I'm at the point yet where – I don't know if I'm at the point yet where – I'm ready to make changes on the offensive line or, or yeah. let me rephrase this. I don't know what the changes need to be on the offensive line because I think that's a little bit of a different animal and any kind of little change can have a big impact possibly or negatively. Mm-hmm. I'm going to trust Harry Heastan a little bit to make those changes. But what I do know that I would do if I was in coach Eastan shoes, I am sitting down and I'm letting every guy know there is not a guy on my roster right now that has locked in a spot the way we've played the first two weeks. I'm not trying to put pressure on y'all, but you're not living up to the standard. So I'm going to work to get y'all where you need to be. You guys need to take it and 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 do better. Take what we're practicing and apply it to the field. If you're someone not in the starting lineup and you're not happy about it, give me a reason to play you in practice this week. Because I like right now, like I love Josh Love. He's a great, great kid. But a sixth-year senior his size should should be playing better. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. should. Uh, you know, I I I I love Zeke Carell in, in the spring was excellent. Zeke Carell in the blue gold game was excellent. Zeke Carell as a starter in 2020 in two mop up d- moments had some good, really good moments, especially against North Carolina. Zeke Carell the first two games just not been good enough. Now, am I ready to just dismiss all the work and say, oh no? Or you know, because here's the thing too is not it's easy for fans for us to sit here as analysts and for fans to sit there at home and say ah screw him throw that guy but here's the thing once you bench a guy you you might lose him right yep. or or you bench a guy too soon before the lights about to go on and so you got to be really smart about okay this kid is doing this in practice and it's really good mm-hmm. i got to figure out how to get him over here to do it on saturday Right. And I think that's the issue that Notre Dame is having with Zeke Carell is because everything I've heard going all the way back to last spring into this spring into the fall is this kid is really good at center. I'm hearing it from defensive players. I'm hearing it from offensive people. But then he gets to Saturdays and the feet stop and you wonder if the speed is too much for him. I don't know what it is. But there comes a point in time when – and we talked about this with quarterback over the years where there comes a point in time where you got to say, hey, look, Yes, Ian Book is a great practice player, but yep. this other kid over here, number 15, is more of a game day player. We got to make the move. Well, mm-hmm. the same thing here at the offensive line. I don't know what the move is. I don't know when the move is, but the reality is they have reached their point of, okay, this isn't acceptable anymore. Either play better or I'm going to find somebody else who, like, I'll put a young guy in there to make the mistakes that Josh Lugg is making and that Zeke Krell is making. I will yeah. rather put like I can live with Blake Fisher not playing well the first two games because I can say start number four is a sophomore. Right. Now right. he needs to get better, right? But when a six-year senior is making those mistakes, or a fifth-year captain is is jumping off sides on a game on a drive that could potentially put the game away on a third and three, he's false starting. That's uh, not okay for me. When a senior like Zeke, I know I know Zeke hasn't played a lot of snaps, 
but he's still a flipping senior. So my point is, am I ready to give up on Z Carell? No, I'm not. I think he's a good player. I think he's not playing well. There's a difference. Yeah. yeah. That's my issue with Josh Lug. He's a good, I think he's a good player. He's shown it, but he's not playing well. But at some point in time, you have to say, okay, I think you can be a good player, but you're not playing well. I have to give somebody else a shot. I don't know if that's right now, Ryan. I'm not saying yeah. it is. I think you need to be real hesitant about moving Jarrett Patterson back to center because that there is no coming back from that, right? Mm-hmm. Like once that happens, it happens. And then two weeks later, the light goes on for Zeke Carell. You don't throw him in there and then move the other guy back out to guard again, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think you need to rethink things now that Drew Pine's taken over because you are going to have a different quarterback. But if you're going to decide to go with Zeke Carell, then you need to roll with Zeke Carell. And if he doesn't play well, then you need to find somebody else for center and leave Jarrett Patterson alone. Or you make the move now and you roll with it. And so I don't know what the moves are, got in my, you know, Ryan and, and people in the chat, but I just know that what we're seeing right now isn't good enough. It's not, it's not good enough from a coaching standpoint because this is what I've said. I know for a fact that Harry Heastand does not teach things the way that we saw them on, on practices. You've seen it with your own eyes, Ryan. But at some point yep. in time, you're either teaching it or you're allowing it, and both of them result in the same thing. And so there has to be accountability from a coaching standpoint. There has to be accountability from a player standpoint. And we're getting to that time where these things need to get fixed and get corrected, Ryan. This this is something that me, you, and Sean all have all agreed upon. Yesterday, if you joined us for the show, everyone out there listening, you, you heard us speak adamantly about every day is an evaluation opportunity for the offensive line moving forward. It is. Everyone should be being evaluated on a day-to-day basis now. Every single player. Because we know it hasn't been good enough through two games. It hasn't. And it is such an important and vital position, not only just from a structure of winning football games, but also just working together. One bad offensive lineman can fracture potentially four other good ones around him. Like that's how that's how important cohesion is up front, right? And you said this to me after the game on Saturday. You said it's. I think you and then Vince also said this to me. It's in every single play. It's one guy. Yep. It's like one guy, but it's a different one guy every time. Yes. And that, that my, I'm bringing that up. I'm interrupting you. To bring that up because that right mm-hmm. there makes your point that it, it just, if it's just one guy on every single play, your line's going to stink. Yep. And that's the reality of it. And this isn't this isn't just the Zeke Carell is the whipping boy or Josh Lug is the whipping boy. Everyone needs to play better. Right. Every single Blake player. Fisher, I'm not saying Joe all Jared Patterson, yeah. all of them. I'm not I'm not say, sitting here and saying that just the center and right guard position are the only two spots that need to be evaluated. No, I'm saying all five need to be evaluated on a daily basis. They do, right? Because Harry Heeson has done this before, Brian, right? He has shown that he's not afraid to make a change during the season if it is proves who is the best five on the field or to jumpstart stuff, right? Like right. he has shown that he has he's okay with doing that. Notre Dame again, I'm not sure you're there yet because in order to replace someone there needs to be someone that earned that spot right, right? like you're not just going to replace him just to replace him there has to be somebody right. that is playing well enough where you say like yeah I, I can make that change now so every day is an evaluation period for everyone but i think especially for the offensive line it is vital for notre dame to to figure out who the best five is moving forward that is paramount because it could it could also it could be a long-term decision too yeah. like it doesn't just have to be a this game decision it just has to be this season decision like i mean 
honestly, Brian, like we've talked about freshmen, you usually don't want to like push along too far as far as like, you know, playing early from an offensive line perspective. Right. But if Billy Strauss ready to play, Billy Strauss ready sure. to play, right? If he's your bet, sure. one of your best five, get him on the field. And then that's a long-term decision right. and a short-term decision. And that's just so, an example. That's just yeah. an example. Not necessarily because yep. we, we haven't seen Billy Strauss practice. Sure. I, I, we if, have no if Ty Chan's We're, ready, right. whoever, We're just making a doesn't point. matter. Pick a guy, Andrew Kostovic. Yes. It could be yes. Pat Coogan. Michael I don't Carmody. Sure. Right. It just, you got to find guys that want to be out there. The biggest thing is, you know, the thing that bothers me, me the most is just, we haven't seen the toughness. Like it's not that they're not playing hard. They're not playing physical. And, and I don't know if that's a mental thing or if it's – I don't know what it is, but they've got to figure out a way to co- get it fixed. And that's not just a player problem. That's a coaching problem as well. And it starts at the top, and it works down to the position coaches, right? It's about Coach Reese putting in stuff that he, the guys know. It's about the offensive line coach making sure the guys are executing and being held to a certain standard. That's yeah. that's where it needs to get to. So when you look at these things, right, we spend a lot of time on personnel changes, a lot of time on personnel changes. And that's because I think those things are right now are things that can jumpstart you because number one, they're good players. You're not putting your best player, your most, let me rephrase that. You're not putting your most talented players on the field enough. And in some mm-hmm. instances at all. Yeah. And, and the, the excuses for it are just not, except there are some excuses that are legitimate. The kid doesn't work hard. The kid doesn't put in the work. The kid's not going to class. The kid can't catch the football. The kid can't block. Okay, really athletic, but if he's doing those things and you can't play him, I've heard none of those things about Tobias Merriweather. I've heard none of those things about Chris Tyree. I've heard none of those things about the other offensive line we're talking about. So we need to see them figure some stuff out, and uh, and and we'll see. There are some other things that we want to get into. We're going to go run game, pass game next, and then we're going to kind of talk about what the offense needs to look like with Drew Pine at quarterback. Yep. And, and you know, we'll focus on the things that we think Drew – can do well and things that he needs to do. And so building around that's that, that type of offense. Number one, I think there's some things run game wise, Ryan, that need to get adjusted. So as we look at the Notre Dame run game, I think the first thing for me, Ryan, is everything is slow. And again, mm-hmm. we're not talking about, Oh, guys are slow. It's just the, the way that they're running it, even like duo inside zone, like stuff that is not super, super fast, but needs to be faster. Everything is just slow. The mm-hmm. timing of the run game is off as well. They've got to figure out a way to have some stuff that speeds up because you have to be able to attack the line of scrimmage with different tempos. Some mm-hmm. stuff is counter. It's more misdirection. It takes more time to kind of get going. You know, you want to misdirect. You want to get their eyes going here. So then you can kind of set up the leverage over here on the counter blocks, the kick out in the wrap. And then you got to time it up correctly to hit the line of scrimmage. Their outside zone is a slow swipe play. You're, you're stretch, 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 stretch. Find your your point of insertion and go. Other stuff needs to be, bam, we're hitting them right now, yeah. right? Whether that's a quick G wrap, whether that's a trap play, whether that's just a freaking wedge, I don't care. But you got to figure out some stuff that's hitting a little faster, right? Mm-hmm. And and so changing the, the speed in which you attack the line of scrimmage, I think that right there is the first thing that 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 we can see change with the Notre Dame run game. Is that right there? Yeah, it's everything just seems like it's taking forever. I mean, it does, man. Like it just and I know our run I know Notre Dame's running backs are not that slow. Like I know they're not, right? And it's and it's it's frustrating. It is frustrating because it's like 
Brian, like an inside zone, right? Like you were talking about an inside zone, you know, you're working front side and then maybe it hits backside A, B. I feel like everything is hitting front side, but hitting front side slow and not going anywhere. That's, and that's what I feel like right now. Every every team I've ever seen run the inside zone out of shotgun, it's yeah. never meant to go play side. Ever. Like ever. I remember like Chip Long had this philosophy and I and I got a laugh out of it when he said it to me the first time. And 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 then I realized he was serious. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. He said, if you, if you, he said, I told the backs, if you go play side with your insertion and you don't get at least four yards, I'm yanking you out of the game Love it because it's not meant to go play side. It's meant to cut backside, but they're not doing that right now. And then duo was meant to be a, 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 a call side run. So if, Mm -hmm. if you're running duo to the right, it's meant to go to the right. If you're running inside zone to the right, it's actually meant to cut back to the left. Right. And inside zone needs to be a, like, I, I say slow swipe and the inside zone is a fast swipe, right? It's yes. it's a, you got to go. You're coming off hard, getting that double team, push to the next level, get movement. Back's got to hit it, see it, cut, and then you're ready to rock and roll. And so we're not seeing enough of that from this offensive line. And then from the design of the play, because the backs are slow getting downhill, that mm-hmm. needs to get corrected now. And the only way you can be that slow with your insertion is if you're Wake Forest. And it's because yeah. you're running that super slow read where you're pulling and throwing an RPO off of it. And that's uh, not what I'm trying to And I don't love that offense crazy. either, right? I don't because it's why they yeah. get stopped by every good defense they play. Mm-hmm. I'm simply making the point that's the only time schematically that that makes sense right. is to do that. And I, I think, Brian, you're also costing yourself yardage. It's not even just negative runs. I feel like there's so many runs right now where Notre Dame gets zero that it should have been at least three, right? Like right. two, three. Ryan, there was a run on Saturday – it was it yeah. was a cutback by Audric Essman. Like, oh, that's a nice little eight nine yard run. And then I looked at the thing. It was like four yards because well, he was ne- making uh, his cut so far behind the line of scrimmage. To your point, Brian, there was one run. I don't think it was estimate. It may have been maybe Chris Tyree. I can't or I forget who it was. Definitely an outside oriented run though. So because I, I, I so I can't remember exactly what play it was, but it was against Marshall, and they literally it looked like a nice little burst and a nice run. And then it was second and five. I'm like, oh no! And it's somewhat explosive play. Only was five yards. Like that's not great. I literally turned to my dad and I'm like, oh, it's tough sledding today, man. It is tough sledding running the football. And it's what you and I have talked about for the Notre Dame defense. We talked about this Mm -hmm. going into the Ohio State game. Is you want to force those guys to make their cuts behind the line of scrimmage because then you can rally to the football. And all of a sudden, it looks like it's a you know they're getting four yards past the line of scrimmage. But it's only like a two-yard run. Line well, of scrimmage, what, meaning where the line is. And that's right. what was happening here. That's what's happening to Notre Dame on yeah. offense with their run game. Because because like, to it, declare early. 100%. So the, the thing is, is that, you know, you're a lot of players are taught to, to spill everything, right? Like they want them to spill to the outside. Why? Because they you want an, you want a running back to run as far as he can for minimal yardage. Like you want that to happen, man. It's gap integrity. And also you're putting tread on the tires. You know, if, if a running back ends up running 20 yards to the sideline to get two, it's like, oh man, I just wasted a lot of effort to get two dang yards, right? Like right. those things that matters, that matters so much. So yeah, it, it was, that was my worry on Saturday though, Brian. I, I didn't even text you about it when it, when yeah. it happened, but literally it was a five yard gain. And normally you're like, Oh cool. Five yards. Right. But like, I was like, Oh right. man, that was way too difficult to get five yards. Like that was yes. not an easy five. Like that yes. was, that's a lot yes. of effort to get five yards. Not great. 
Not and, and and it's got to get better because you do not have Tyler Buckner to bail you out with the pull stuff this week, like you've had in the past. Couple more things with run game. I think this is more of a this is more of a attitude thing. They've mm-hmm. got to play with more purpose in the run game, and that's twofold. Number one is just coming off with a little bit more P and V, man. You know what I mean for the old school folks, a little P and V, and and just coming off and just fighting and scrapping and clawing. That's obviously something that Coach Easton needs to get going. But I also feel like there's no there's no rhyme and reason to the run game right now. It's like one play, they're just kind of line up and go double wing, and you kind of know what's coming. You know, like right. when the back is offset evenly, you kind of know what's coming. There's there's not a lot of purpose to what they're doing. The offensive line and the like. I I told this story when I was coaching one year, and it was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen a head coach do. Our head coach is our also our offensive coordinator. And he would mm-hmm. just kind of sit in his office all day and just, I mean, literally at one time I walked in and he's like watching a sitcom in the middle of the day. He'd have nice. me in my office working on the pass game. And he wanted the running back coach and the offensive line coach to work on the run game in their office. That's what he wanted. So I'm putting together a pass game and I'm trying to get with the offensive line coach who was the head coach's boy. Hey man, what do you guys want to do this week formationally? And so and he's, he wouldn't, he would, he was like, oh, we, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And he wouldn't tell me. So I'm like, okay, well, I figure out the pass game by myself. And so I'd come up with pass game stuff, and then we'd have run game stuff. But the run game stuff was being run out of certain personnel formations. The pass game stuff was being run out of different personnel formations. And it, guess what? It didn't work because there was nothing to set ball. up. You kind of could tell pretty early on, okay, here's the pass and here's run. And that's what it looks like at Notre Dame right now. It's like their run game stuff is out of this stuff, and their pass game stuff is out of this stuff, and they're not doing a whole lot out of each of those things that are opposite. And so that's what I mean also by purpose. So there's purpose in how you're going about your business. And then there's purpose in like, what are they trying to do here? Like Mm -hmm. everything in an offensive game plan should kind of work together and build together. Hey, we're running this because we know we're going to set up some stuff over here, or we're running this because we know if they do this to overplay it, we've got this pass game stuff to go to to hurt them. Or if they overplay us this way, we've got some run game stuff to go to. There's just not a lot of that right now, Ryan. Like when they're in 12 and 13 personnel, pretty much know what's coming. When they're 11 personnel, pretty much know what what's coming and i think that's kind of that's kind of really what i want to see more out of the run game is just a sense of purpose so mixing up your tempos right with how you get downhill i think the personnel changes we've talked about uh and the other thing too is part of that is right they need to run the ball more out of their spread looks yes. they need to run the ball more out of 11 personnel you know do more things to vacate the box which means a lot more RPO, and this is kind of how we get into, especially now that Drew Pine's the quarterback, you can't run as much read zone with Drew to scare defenses, but what you can do with Drew, who we think is a pretty decent decision maker from what he's shown in the past. He's got a pretty, he's got a very quick release, gets yep. the ball out quickly. He's pretty accurate on underneath stuff, is mixing a lot more first and second down RPO stuff as part of it. So go 11 personnel, spread things out, because you're getting nothing out of your tight ends right now. Nothing. So spread out more, do more RPO stuff you know, with, within your run game. And I think nothing, that's going to be a big part of it as well. Just emphasize, when you say nothing out of your tight ends, you mean in the run game. Just want to put that out there for people that may have misunderstood. Right, correct, because correct. Obviously, yes, they're getting their pa- passing reset. We're talking about production. the run game right now. You yes. are correct. Yep. You are correct. Just wanted to reiterate in case anybody you know misheard or, or just tuning in or whatever. But, I, Brian, I, I think that the the biggest frustration that I have is that – the offensive line right now, I mean, I'll be very honest, right? Like, we're going to be honest about this. I don't trust 
every offensive lineman right now that has been playing a significant amount of time to block one a player one on one right now. Like it is mm-hmm. bad, man. Like there's a lot of spillage. There's a lot of penetration right now. So how can we how can we make that better? Just off of a formation, if you spread it out, there's going to be less players in the box. Mm-hmm. It's basic, man. Like it's it's right. it's not rocket science, guys. Like at the end of the day. Football is a numbers game. And you've heard me say that a million times at this point, right? If you're not blocking well up front, let's make it so that there's less people to block, right? Like it's just, it's so basic, man. It's so basic, especially with, and we're going to talk about Drew Pine more in depth, in depthly, but Drew Pine is not the runner, obviously, that Tyler Buckner is. Tyler Buckner gives you a numbers advantage with the way that he can run the football. Drew, Drew Pine does not do the same thing. So in order to make sure that the box is not super condensed, you have to win off of alignment. That is the point of it, right? So you're going to win the numbers game based upon alignment, and you're going to hope that your offensive line improves. Those two things will jumpstart your run game in theory. At the end of the day, Notre Dame needs to do it, but you're trying to make things easier for yourselves. And running against smaller boxes, less players, just basic stuff, right? If we want to block the least amount of people to have a successful play. right? And that's what you can do from an alignment right. perspective. It's about getting leverage, right? That's what teams are doing to Notre Dame's defense, right? And that's what Notre Dame's offense. And that's what I kind of get back to is like just the sense of purpose just doesn't seem to be quite there. And and that's something that I want to see obviously more and more of uh, from this group. So that's that's a focus. And then let's talk pass game, Ryan. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about Notre Dame pass game. Number one, they're going to have to – these first two kind of go hand in hand. Number one is they have severe protection issues right now. And mm-hmm. I'm not even talking about just guys getting beat. That's part of it. That's bad enough. But what the teams have just kind of, they know how to get to Notre Dame. They know how to beat Notre Dame's protection scheme right now. Uh, they know, I mean, I've never seen a team have more corner fires against them over a, a year and a half span than what we've seen from Notre Dame. It was all year last year. We saw it last year and they never picked it up. They're doing it again this year. Marshall did it multiple times. Notre Dame didn't do anything to stop it. Nothing to stop it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just, that's got to get fixed. Teams know that the teams are killing Notre Dame with inside fires, right? Just yeah. killing them with inside fires. And it's not even like super complex stuff, Ryan. It's like, this should be figured out. So they've got to address that before they can fix any, none of the other stuff we're going to talk about matters if that's not getting fixed, because here's what's happening to Notre Dame's past game right now. And it's, it's because of a couple different things. Number one is, like one of the things we have on here is like they're running too many stop routes, right? Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. and the reason that's not as effective is because teams are just sitting at like seven yards, eight yards, and they're not going any further. And they're yep. basically saying, you're not going to throw it deep. You're not going to have time to throw it deep. We're going to sit on all your quick stuff. And they're either taking it away by their pre-snap alignment or they're taking it away by their post-snap movement, Ryan. And that that's why Notre Dame guys are just running into guys and they're not getting mm-hmm. open. It's because of stuff like that. But that's because other teams know we you can't protect to throw beat us down the field. That's one of the reasons they're doing that. And there's other reasons, but that's one of them. So if you don't for, fix your protection issues like now, especially against Justin Wilcox and Peter Sermon, who are very good defensive minds for Cal, then you're you're gonna have some problems. You're gonna have some problems. And it's not as simple as just, oh, the backs need to pass pro better. There's times no. that's true, but this is a scheme problem that needs to get fixed now. It, and it, it's, you know, what the biggest, the biggest problem I have with the game, Brian, and this is on both sides of the ball. 
I feel like there's no communication with this team. Like communication struggles. And what is pass protection? Pass protection is communication. Whether that is movement up front or you're sliding to a certain spot or you're big on big block, like whatever it is, man. At the end of the day, it's about communication up front. And I feel like there's a lack of communication right now. And I mean, point blank, period. The offense line needs to be better in one-on-one situations, pass blocking. Like they do. Like you need to be able to block mm-hmm. one guy and do a sound job and give him four seconds. Like you have to do it. But I also think that there's a lack of communication. Like you, you talked about the uh, about the fires, right? I mean, that play where, where we highlighted of Logan Diggs earlier, I think that was a double fire. Like they made it look like it was going to be a crossfire, and then they just literally double A-gap blitz. And that's what it was, man. Like it's nothing exotic. That's a day one blitz install, Ryan. Yep. Yeah. Day one blitz install. That's that might, that's like be that's like the first one. Yeah. Pickup. Yes, it is <laughs> exactly. It's it it's so it's so frustrating, man. And you know it. And I mean, I just watched the the Cal defense yesterday. They're going to do that same stuff because guess what, guys? The Cal's linebackers are pretty decent football players. They're going to try to get them downhill yeah. too. And yeah, they're not they have good dumb. safeties as well. They do have good safeties, and teams aren't dumb. You just mentioned that Wilcox and Sermon are both smart defensive player, defensive minds, right? They're going to see what Notre Dame's been struggling with, and they're going to do the same exact thing. Yeah. It's not rocket they're science. They're going to see it hasn't been fixed. They're going to go exactly. back to last year and like, oh, press corners, kill this team. Well, let's do that yes. until they make us not do it. Hey, yeah. you know what? Just sit on the short stuff and then take it away. Yeah, yeah, they have no answers then. And they're going like, to see – they're going to see last week, Tyler Buckner threw two interceptions. It was along the same exact thing. It was a stick route, and the guy just was sitting on it, and it was just over from there, right? And that's that's what they're going to see, man. And they're just going to be like, I'm not – I don't care about – even though you have shown the ability to get on top of guys and to get behind them, I'm not worried about you until you actually hit one, right? Like, I'm not worried about it until it actually happens. So, again – they're going to condense everything. That's not just condensing the box. That's condensing the alignment of the defensive backs. It's condensing as far as what their what their what their situation and the responsibilities are. Notre Dame is going to have to unloosen things, right? And for them to do that, they need to make some plays in space. Mm-hmm. They need to push the ball a little bit. They need to create some explosive plays. That is the only way. That you're, and it's not even a Cal specific thing. This is a specific thing in general. The only way to make guys respect you and to open to to back off a little bit and not condense is to show that you can create an explosive play. Until you can, mm-hmm. they're not going to respect it. Right. I think along the past game lines, Ryan. Too, we talked about RPOs earlier. There needs to be a little bit more. I hate using. There's two words I hate using because I feel like they are just used all the time blatantly as like by people that don't really understand what that means and that simplify and create creativity. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how else to do it. Maybe more, more, uh, more versatility, diversity. I don't know what word to use, but they need to have more in their RPO package, right? Like, whereas right diversity now, it's is like a word for it. Right. Diverse, it's like now yeah. screens and hitches and quick outs. Okay. Those are fine, but teams are going to start taking those away. Right, mm-hmm. you need to be willing to throw a field bomb. I'm sorry, as part of your OPO, RPO package, when you're on the left hash and you got one receiver outside, and that only deep safety is right over the freaking ball, there's no other option against that press corner than to throw a deep ball outside. And if you don't have receivers that can win on there, then you need to find some more that find some that can. 
And if Notre Dame right. has done anything, Brian, they haven't hit a ton of those plays so far, but they've shown that they can win that way, right? right? Like they the can receivers get on top are of winning guys. on those th- on those yeah. routes. There's no question. Yeah. They, they got to hit it. Open. They got to yep. hit it. And that's another one of these is the very next p- issue was deep ball success. Mm-hmm. Like we showed this on Saturday. The play where if Tyler Buckner throws an accurate pass at the end of the second quarter, it's what was the score at the time? 9 to 7. It's 14-9 at halftime. It's 14-9. Notre Dame is up, I think it was 15 12. Mm-hmm. It was right, it was the play right after the third and three false start. They got to put the game away. So Jared Patterson makes his mistake, but then they come back the next play and they're basically running all verts. We explained this on Sunday, and the corner squats and Braden Lindsay does what he's supposed to do and runs by. And if yep. the quarterback sees it and throws it deep, it's 22 to 12 Notre Dame, and we're having a completely different conversation right now. Well, you, this show might be not different because we'd still talk about some of the issues, but the fee, the Saturday and Sunday shows would have definitely been different. Right? People people wouldn't feel like they're going zero and twelve anymore. Correct, because they <laughs> yeah. they'd be one and yeah. one and still ranked in the top twenty five. Right, yes. and you can chalk it up to yes. a bad week after playing Ohio State to the fourth quarter. Right. Yeah, we 100%. would still be focused on some things that need to get fixed. But if you hit both of those throws, it's a blowout. And it's third, 29 to, to whatever. Yeah, right. right, right. And so that's the thing is the we saw the same thing against Ohio State. Brayden Lindsay got open by three or four yards. On, if it's a good pass, like put it like this. it's If C.J. Stroud is throwing that pass and he gets time, it's a touchdown. The one mm-hmm. to Lorenzo Styles and the one to Brayden Lindsay. Right now, yeah. yeah, Tyler needs to play better. Now it's up to Drew. You've got to hit those throws because it only hit, it only takes a couple of those hits for teams to say, uh-uh, I can't do that anymore. Sorry. Right, yeah. like th- th- these, and that's the thing is right now it's like I don't care if the receivers are running biased because the quarterbacks can't hit them. Lorenzo Styles also got deep on a post route on Saturday, and the ball got thrown behind him. Now I still think Lorenzo needs to make that play, but he shouldn't sure. ask to be have to make that play. So it's, it's on both of them, and mm-hmm. that's another you know maybe if you hit him truly over the top and in stride, he might outrun those guys. But I did think that one safety coming over the top might have had an angle to tackle him after about 40, 50 yard gain. I thought you know maybe. But it's one of those things, Ryan, where if that guy undercuts that throw and he misses, it's a 70-yard touchdown. They've had so many opportunities for big plays where the receivers are getting open, which is why I'm confused by people saying, oh, they don't have speed. I'm like, are you watching the same thing I'm watching? Because I'm watching them run by Ohio. I mean, Matt Salerno ran by an Ohio State DB. And and the reason it looked like a contested throw is because Tyler underthrew it and Salerno had to come back for the ball. But he beat the guy by a couple steps off the ball. Yep. Right. And so guys are getting open on the vertical stuff. Now, where they suck at getting open is on the intermediate and short stuff. That's where they have sucked getting open. But they've gotten open on a lot of deep balls. Now, they can do better. The press releases need to get better, like we talked about. You know, push guys outside, slip inside if they're going to try to take your outside leverage away, things like that. But the fact is, there have been enough, like, I'm not talking like open by a step. I'm talking about like wide open because they smoke the dude opportunities in the first two games to be two and zero, and we're having a different conversation. Quarterback play has got to get better and it's up to Tommy Reese and the line's got to get better. Cause on a couple of those hits quarterback was getting hit in the face or getting yes. sacked before he could throw the ball or when he was throwing the ball. And it's asking a lot of a sophomore quarterback making his first and second start to complete a 45 yard pass as he's getting smacked right in the face. That's asking mm-hmm. a lot. I'm sorry. You know, so uh, protection's got to get better, but they've got, this isn't a scheme thing, Ryan. You're designing stuff to get guys open. Right. Freaking hit it. Right. That's yep. a, that's the one, that's the one thing that I can point to and say, that's a player problem. 
You can't mm-hmm. blame that on the coaches other than you say, okay, well, you didn't coach the guy up well enough to complete a deep ball. But I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm blaming Tom Reese for several things. A quarterback not hitting a wide open post route at the end of the of the half when he knows this was going to the ball. It's not a Tommy Reese thing. Yeah. It, well, Brian, that that's that is what has been frustrating though for everyone, right? It's the fact that well, it's been frustrating for me, I should rephrase, right? Because everybody wants to just throw the coaches under the bus. And like sure. I get it, man. Yeah, because like again, plenty of blame. Yeah. I've been so critical of Tommy Reese over the last two weeks. Like I have. Like he's he needs to be better. Like there's no doubt about it. But the point blanket to it is that. coaches aren't helping players and players are also not helping coaches when the coaches are putting them in position. They're also not making plays. Like at the end of the day, both sides are not holding up their end of the bargain. That's Mm -hmm. the point blank to it. Right. And it needs to be better. It has to, because I I also am getting tired of the, the speed thing. Right. I mean, you have legitimately in your starting lineup as running back and receivers, you have a 4-3 guy, you have a 4-4 flat guy, and you have a 4-4 something guy at wide receiver. So please stop with the speed stuff, man. Please stop with it. It doesn't, it's right. it's dumb. It's dumb. It is actually dumb because you can turn on that Marshall film again. And we've seen but, those guys do that in the past, Ryan. Yeah. So uh-huh. did did Braden Lindsay? This is the one I wrote in the article the other Braden day. Braden Lindsay did, got did, slow. Apparently, I'm sorry. Yeah. Did did Lorenzo Styles go from smoking a guy that started at Ohio State last week in a bowl game against a pass defense and ranked top ten nationally in the Big Twelve? Yeah. Did he all of a sudden get slow after having you know a hundred yards and eight catches against Ohio State, Oklahoma State, and just smoked a guy on a post route for a touchdown? Right. Did Braden Lindsay all of a sudden get slow? No. Now, yeah. are they looking slow at other times? Yes. Sure. And that's something that's the next point of talking about is that the route running has to have more ur- purpose and urgency. We've talked about that already. We talked about that in the postgame show on Sunday night or not the postgame show, but the upon further review on Sunday night. The you can tell the difference on what's coming by the release of the receiver. That's not a good thing. And this is why I said in the show on Sunday, everything needs to look like a go route because one of the biggest mistakes that receivers make is now there are times when you are purposely coming off slow because you're trying to juke them and say, hey, I'm coming off. You don't know where I'm going. Bam, I'm breaking out on a quick five-yard outcut. That's a different deal. But unless you're doing something like that, your first your release off of four or five-step release on anything being run past seven yards needs to look like you're running a go route. And it is so obvious with the Notre Dame receivers outside and inside when they're running something that's going to require a cut or a stop within 10 to 12 yards it mm-hmm. is so obvious and when i mean yeah. cut i'm not talking like a post cut i'm talking like an out cut an option an in mm-hmm. something like that it is so easy to diagnose that and you and that's what dbs are taught to do yes and that's one of the things i learned early on as a receivers coach while talking with other db coaches because that's who i spent time with was talking to db coaches not receiver coaches what are the things you look for and one of the first things they look for is i'm looking for your your release. And so there's a couple things you look for. Number one, are you coming off the line with your feet choppy? Because most DBs don't look at a guy's eyes. They're looking at his hips and his feet. That's what you're looking at, right? Because that's you, you can't go somewhere unless your hips and feet take you there. My eyes can look in all types of different directions, but my feet can only go in one direction. That's it. My hips can only go in one direction. My eyes can go all mm-hmm. types of places. You're reading the hips and the feet. Yep. And so if I see you get tall and I see your feet get choppy, or one of those two things, I know you're trying to set me up for some kind of stop or some kind of cut, right? But if you come off with a forward lean and you are coming with a, you're, then I think, okay, this guy's threatening me. He wants to run by me. And so mm-hmm. what I always taught was that needs to be your language on a hitch route and a go route. 
because I want to get that DB sinking. So I don't want to catch a hitch. And then the guy is, you know, tackling me to six yard game. I want that guy to flip his hips. I make my cut at six to seven and I'm right there. And that guy's still running. You see that happen at Bama all the time. Yep. You, you used to see that happen at Clemson all the time because those guys will come off a of purpose and then bam, quickly hitch up, sink their hips. Bam, I'm catching the ball right now because that guy's still running by him. Like there is not because you can tell if they're running a short route, a stop route, or a go a, a deep route just by their mm-hmm. release. That mm-hmm. stuff has to get fixed right now. Right now. Because, I know Chancey I mean, doesn't teach that, Ryan. It's a yeah. it's a it's one of those things where he's still trying to deprogram from the past. But it's yeah. his job to deprogram. You can't blame you can blame Dell for putting him in the situation, but you're not going into game three. It's time to start seeing those things be different. So there needs to be a greater sense of urgency off the ball on every single route, unless it is a designed because like sometimes you'll run a cross route, Ryan, which we need to see more mm-hmm. of there too. Like we've talked about, you know, more mesh, you know, more high lows. I want to see more high lows. Some of those under routes are going to be slower developing because you want to let guys clear out and things like that. And then you kind of come and then you go. That's different. But if you're yeah. running any kind of vertical release, I don't care if you're stopping a five yards or you're running a goal route, it needs to look the same until you're ready to stop. Because as soon as you come up, whether it's off the ball or at the top end, that DB knows he's stopping. Right? And the only time you should come up is if I'm running a double move. And by the way, for the love of God, can we <laughs> please get a double move? It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I haven't seen Although, one. Although, you could call it. One? But here's the thing. You could call it, but you can't protect yeah. it right now. Sure. Which goes back to point numero uno. Well, and and this is a position where you can have an advantage, I think, down the, down the stretch, Brian. Like the next 10 games, is there a great corner left on the left on the uh on the sheet, I mean, well, Garrett Williams is a good player. Garrett Williams is a good um, football player, sure. But like you know, outside Grimes, of that, but I mean, that defense is terrible. That's, you know, the kid from Stanford's pretty yeah, good, Caillou Blue Kelly's but, but none of those player. guys are yeah. elite. None of those guys are, you know, right. like Derek Stingley Jr. when he's healthy. None of those guys are, you right. know, elite, elite players. They're good players, but they're not guys that could, but they've got one, yeah, one Notre and Dame's I, got should have multiple receivers, yeah. And I saw someone in the chat, I forget who said it, Brian, but like I agree with him completely. It's it's not the narrative is that Notre Dame lacks speed at receiver. But right. the real actuality is that they lack skill at receiver right now because they're not it's Correct. not being it's not Correct. being it's not being developed properly, right? Correct. And I'm not blaming Chancey Stucky on that because again, to your point, these guys have been taught a lot of bad habits, right? So I'm not blaming them after two games. Well, if it's yeah. something where it like starts to if we're more heading to more, BYU like it doesn't fix. and we're still yes. having the same problems, sure. then yes, it yeah. now becomes like I I, I kind of look at it like this. I mm-hmm. give you three games 
mm-hmm. to to get that stuff where I should start seeing progress. Improvement. And that's yeah. my issue with the old line and the receiving core. It's not that I, I know that Chancey teaches something different, but it's yeah. not coming out on Saturdays. And at the end of the day, guys, it doesn't matter if you look great in practice. It right. matters that you play that way on Saturday. So, yes, yep. I am not coming down on Chancey Stuckey yes. yet. Exactly. I am not coming out on Harry Heastand yet. But we're getting into that territory where if we don't start seeing some improvement, then, right. yeah, I'm, I'm, I am coming down on you. There's no yep. doubt. Because you're making guys with speed look slower on certain stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. not okay. Agree. Agree. Need to see progress at the end of the day. It's something where when you're a new coach, again, there's going to be a little bit of a grace period because you have to reteach a lot of stuff or deprogram and and start from the bottom up. But I think that that was – that was a difficult part of this past game was that you didn't see progress really, right? Like it was just – it seemed like the same. Worse right. in certain instances, like right. so. Yeah, it's got to get better. So get for better. me, Ryan, I need to see more high-low stuff. Is conceptually mm-hmm. things I want to see. I want to see more things where you're forcing the chase across. I want to see more vertical stretch stuff. That is what a high-low essentially is. It's a vertical stretch. You're stretching a team vertically, mixed in with the horizontal stuff that they're running. The horizontal stuff they're running is fine. It's just needs to be mixed in with other things. They need mm-hmm. to start pushing the depths of the of the horizontal routes deeper. They're stopping like what they're doing now is if a guy stands there at nine yards, they just collide into him and try to outposition him like it's basketball. No, run through his outside shoulder, get him to yeah. flip his hips, then break back, and then get open. Those are technical things that need to get fixed. But then, and then also, uh, you need more creativity, more diversity in the RPO game, yes. and then enhance the screen game, the perimeter oh, screen yes. game, enhance oh, the yes. perimeter screen game, enhance the running back screen game. It, it all needs to get better and, and used more effectively. And I think that'll set up. And then also off of that, let me get in a little pump, throw down field off of that yes. a little bit as well. So that's where you can use Michael Mayer as a decoy. I'm running a little now screen look to him because they're going to play that aggressively. I'm going to maybe run it early and throw it to him. Next time I come back, pump, and then throw it down the field. Those are the things that I want to see schematically. Because I, I felt like last game, Brian, we saw a couple just like bubble screens pretty early on in that game off RPO action. And then again, like I just felt like they went away from it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it works. It's like once they it got off the working. script, it's like, okay, yeah. we're not running RPOs anymore. Because I think I think Lorenzo had a decent little gain off of it. And then he actually might have had two different decent gains out of it. But there was uh, – he definitely had like one for eight, one for like 12-ish, something mm-hmm. like that in that yep. ballpark. And then yep. it just went away. And I'm, I was happy in that first drive, man. I was like, you know, even though they, they stalled and they didn't score, I was like, oh, but at least we saw some stuff that we wanted to see, right? And then it just kind of went away during the rest of the game. Yep. Let's Last thing, Ryan. What the mm-hmm. offense needs to look like. What are changes that need to happen right now, now that Drew Pine is a quarterback? This is the final piece, and we'll get to a little bit of a mailbag here uh, for a little bit once we wrap this up. But let's talk about what the offense needs to look like structurally now that Drew Pine is a quarterback. Number one, sure, uh, push the tempo more. Mm-hmm. As more. As I asked Coach Freeman about this yesterday, and I really liked his answer because he he said what I, what I would do. I am not going to all of a sudden become 2010 Oregon. I'm not. That's not what I'm talking about. But I do think, especially early, that they do need to push the tempo. I have mm-hmm. no problem with the check with me stuff. Every right. spread tempo team has that as part of what they do, including Chip Kelly when he was at Oregon back in the day. They would line up real fast, get it, fake a snap, and then check. Now, they were never going to snap the ball in that particular instance. But then you look at the sideline, you get a check with me. They're doing that way too much at Notre Dame. 
there needs to be times where they, if they just start, if they came out in a series and just went fast, the other team wouldn't know what hit them because right. teams know they have all day to kind of get lined up against Notre Dame. And you're doing that, but then you're not doing the multiplicity within that that you need to do in order to be effective snapping the ball late. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what we're saying is like when you give a team, you know, down to the five second mark to get lined up and you kind of get a read on what they're doing, it makes it a lot easier to defend. Didn't, and so I think this past game, Brian, didn't didn't the uh, didn't Marshall have like two two different penalties where they had too many men on the field? Because and I was just like, Notre Dame's not even running with incredible pace. That, that only no sense proves. I know yeah. it was so weird. Yeah, man. It's it so no weird sense to me. <laughs> so when you look at that, it's it's mm-hmm. it's coming out with a little bit more purpose, a little bit more. Because see, sometimes here's the thing: sometimes in order to get your players playing with more urgency, you have to force it on them. Sure. The way you force it, because what do we keep talking? There's no urgency. There's no urgency to get lined up. There's no urgency coming off the ball. There's an urgency. So what do you do to do that? You speed up their mind, right? You mm-hmm. speed up their minds, which then speeds up their bodies. And what I mean by that is get lined up. Let's go, 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 go. Have you ever been in a practice of a team that runs tempo? Oh, it yeah. It is intense. Sure is. I mean, it is an intense, high-stress type of situation. It's a workout, and, too. It's oh, a workout, man. man. <laughs> and so, again, I'm not saying do that all the time. I'm not a I'm not a tempo guy, but we advocated for this early last year as well. Because here's the deal. If Notre Dame would have played Ohio State and Marshall in the, in the first two games last year, they'd probably start last year 0-2 yeah. for many of the same reasons, right, especially offensive line-wise. And what did we advocate at the time? You got to come out and you've got to go with with more tempo. You've got to run RPOs. You've got to go with more tempo. You've got to pick up the pace. And when they finally did that, Ryan, the offense took off. And it wasn't just taking off because they played bad teams, because they played Toledo. Toledo was a mediocre MAC team. That's it. And they looked like garbage. They offensively did not look good against a Purdue team that honestly didn't have a great defense last year, as they showed against like Ohio State and other teams. Like they had a couple good players and they tried hard and coached well and all that, but they weren't super talented. Right. They should have held Notre Dame to 27 points. They had to push the tempo a little bit. They need to do something that sparks this unit. And I think just pushing the tempo early and just getting Drew into a rhythm is super important against Cal. And it's something that needs to be a part of their arsenal week after week. And then you can do some of the other things, Ryan, like more movement. Now, this yeah. is going to seem contradictory, and, and and it somewhat is, but it's not. Because, again, I'm not talking about being 2010 Oregon. That's not what we're talking about. Get lined up. Get your call in. Get lined up. Honestly, if I was Tommy Reese, I would start scripting every series. I, I would for now because you got to come out with at least three plays that you know we're running on the first three plays of this series every time and just get it called. Here's what we're doing. Get it called. Doesn't matter what happens on first down. If it's second and 12, then you know the next call, what the next call is going to be, and you just you go. You get lined up and you run it. And and so those are things that I need to see from, from, that, from them this week where it's more moving. What I mean by that is, you know, they'll just kind of line up and stack. They'll come out in one play and be a normal trips formation or a normal, you know, deuce personnel with you know, two receivers here, then a wing tight end and a guy in the boundary and just normal two by two, and then they'll run their stuff out of it. They'll do like simple motions across the tight end, a little boom by the running. That's not what I'm talking about. And then jet. What I'm talking about is like start in a base alignment and then flip and shift real quick or motion Braden Lindsay down to get him off the press. Motion Lorenzo Styles across. Line up in a duo, a deuce formation where you've got the tight end attached 
the boundary. You got your W off the line. You got your Z and your X. And then motion your W across to gain leverage, right? Mm -hmm. And then do a quick rollout and get a leverage play that way or do a bubble screen that way or do something that way. There needs to be more of that as well. And it needs to be called. Get lined up and call it. Run it and motion and call it. That's tempo, but it's not, again, we're, we're not talking about 2010 Oregon tempo. But it's, right. it's playing with a sense of purpose. I think those are things that are going to allow Drew Pine to get into a really early rhythm, and it's important for him to do that, and it's important for the offense to do that because they need confidence. Brian, Ryan, we said it last week. This is an offense that needs confidence. Mm-hmm. They didn't get it. Yeah. And then the last thing for me is, or last two things for me is, less scheme, more personnel and formational diversity. Right now, they've done a decent amount of, of formational diversity. They've done 21 personnel, 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 13 personnel. But everything is kind of, you know what they're running out of 21. You know what they're running out of 12. You know what they're running out of 11. What I'm, what I'm saying is less scheme and then doing it out of all of that stuff. Figure out a way, because this is what good teams do. What, what do we want to run this week? We want to run an inside zone. We're going to duo. We're going to counter. We're going to outside zone. And then this other, you know, a buck sweep. Okay. Mm. Okay. Figure out a way to run it out of everything that we do. How are we going to run out of 11 this week? How are we, how are we going to run it out of 12 this week? How are we going to run it out of 21 this week? And then how are we going to run it out of 10 or whatever else that you're going to do? Right. Which I don't know if I'd ever do 10 personnel right now with Notre Dame, (laughs) but just in theory. Right. And then say, okay, now let's fit. Okay. Here's the concepts we want to do off of that pass game wise to where now everything just kind of goes together more, Ryan, and mm-hmm. it's not as easy to get a tell on what they're doing. I, that's another thing I want to see. And and the finally, the last thing for me, Ryan, is 12 personnel needs to become a much less important part of this situation because you used to run in the past because you could get something out of it run run game-wise. You know, George Takis brought value as a blocker last year. Mm-hmm. Tommy mm-hmm. Tremble, my frustration was he didn't get used enough in the past game, but he brought a lot of value as a blocker. Brock Wright brought, brought a, lot of, a lot of value as a blocker. I'm seeing no value right now with Kevin Bauman as a blocker. None. And I said this to you before the show. I think you could make a case that the guy that gave the best effort and had the best, best execution in the run game at tight end on Saturday was Eli Raritan. Hmm. And that's <laughs> who's, a problem. Who's viewed as an undersized tight end that, well, not undersizes in length, but undersizes in weight <laughs> and had to put yeah. weight on, right? And coming off of an offseason injury, that's it's troubling, man. I yeah. think that the biggest thing for me, Brian, that you you echoed a couple times, and I want to reiterate it again because it's so important for a couple different reasons, is to get Drew Pine in rhythm. Mm-hmm. Why is it important? You mentioned confidence, but even more than that, Brian, like he is a his style of quarterback is a player that needs to be in rhythm. If he's a guy that gets pushed too much out of structure too often, he's going to make some bad decisions. Like it's just going to happen. That's yeah. not it's not his game, man. He is the modern spread quarterback where he wants to get the ball out of his hands quick and make accurate decisions. That's what he wants to do. And that is so important for the timing. It's so important for being in in a good positive rhythm all the time. Right. So that for me is like, I would not even be opposed to them throwing the ball a little bit early in the game just to get him in in somewhat of a rhythm. Right. Cause I, I just think that you need to show that there's a threat to throw the football and get the numbers in your favor. Like that stuff needs to happen. So getting him in rhythm is paramount in mm-hmm. this football game. They, it yep. needs to happen because it's just, it's how he wins. He is not the type yeah. of player where 
oh, I go through one, two, three. It's okay. I'll, I'm going to break the pocket and I'm going to make something happen. Like that's not Drew Pine. It's not. Right. He can do a little stuff out of structure, but you don't want, want that to be the that right. you don't want it to be a large portion of his. Game. It needs to complement all the other things that he's doing. Hundred yes. percent. Correct. 100%. Correct. And that's going to be the key. And then that stuff will then set up the opportunity to take shots down because Drew Pine is not a drop back launch at sixty yard kind of guy. He's not. He can throw it deep enough to where you can hurt teams with the stuff we've seen, the one-on-one goes, the one-on-one posts. He can hit those, right? And and I would run some of those. I would I would design a shot early and say, hey, we got to get something going, man. You know, like if 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 you get like not if you get it the first, this is what I'd say if I'm noted, if I'm uh, Tommy Reese, the first time we get into a second and two or a second and one or even a second and three in this game, I am going deep. Right. And I'm and I'm probably doing it out of 12 personnel. I'm going to purposely line up in 12 personnel and do that stupid double wing thing that they're doing that. And just and then just say, Drew, we know what we're going to get. They're going to bring that safety down. They're going to be in a cover one. They're going to leave the field outside guy lined up. You are catching it. You're catching drop and rock and throw it. That's it. That's it. Right. And let her go and then say, hey, it's up to you to go win. Hey, Lorenzo, go win. Braden, go win. Right, Drew? Flip and get it out there. You know, or I mean if you want to design a post route or something else, but you get the point that I'm making. It doesn't have to be that particular play, but do something where I'm taking a design shot. Because if you start hitting one or two of those, then the next couple teams are like, okay. Because here's the thing: other teams know that Notre Dame's getting guys open deep. They just mm-hmm. don't think they can protect it or hit it. Right. And as soon as you do, though, especially against a defense like Cal who is going to be one of the four or five best defenses they're going to face all year. That's mm-hmm. my concern about this game. This is going yeah. to be one of the four or five best. It's de- it's one of the two or three best coached defenses they're going to play all year, right? Their talent is getting better. They actually have mm-hmm. some pretty deep. They have a kid uh, that rotates in on the D line that got offered by Notre Dame, Xavier Carlton, who's a oh, physical no, 40, freak. Four, yeah, 44, just, went to Utah. He's a physical and, freak, yeah. but he just he's yeah. you know, kind of a raw football player. Yes. But he's a physical freak. I had Daniel Scott on my and Jackson Sermon on my all opponent first team going into the year. Number 10 at linebacker is not a bad little football player yes, either. Right. So, Their two edge yeah. players are decent players. So yeah. this is a team with decent talent on defense, really good coaching on defense, pretty decent depth on defense as well, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And because and and you know, like I said, very well coached and tough. This is going to be a great test because if Notre Dame's offense breaks out this week, and I'm not saying it's going to, I'm not predicting that. But if it does, that's a great sign because this is a much better defense than what you faced last week. And we both fought a lot of Marshall's defense for that level. Sure did. You know, and and so, uh, but Notre Dame, Marshall didn't stop Notre Dame as much as Notre Dame stopped Notre Dame. Because the things Marshall was doing to stop the run game were leaving them exposed to big plays down the field. Notre Dame just didn't hit them. I mean, there should have been three 60-yard touchdowns on Saturday. I mean, I'm not talking about like, oh, you should. Just dudes open. For yeah. th- those type of plays, not, not like a 50 50 ball, right? Type of right. Thing. No, yeah, we're talking exactly. dude is open by three or four steps, yep. right? And you just got to hit him. And and so that's the fr- that was the frustrating thing for me. So, uh, 12 personnel is, is really not bringing you value right now. So, unless you're going to make the move and put Eli Raritan, I was told that Kane Barong has finally been cleared. I'd good. give him a shot because I think he's a pretty good blocker. Uh, I don't know how where he is at with like his you know his strength and his knee and all that. But I'd give those guys a shot because Kevin Bauman may be a great kid, but this is not – what was the big concern we had about him in the offseason? He wasn't a very good blocker last year. Yeah. Now, he was hurt, and he had all those other things people say. Well, he is he hurt still? Because he's not blocking very well now. And I told you guys, I told you and Sean, so 
Um, I raised a little bit of a stink with some folks about the grades for Notre Dame on PFF last week. And so I was told that somebody different, and I know who supposedly did the grades for Notre Dame this past week, and it's someone whose football mind I respect, right? And Ryan, I told you it was, and they had Eli yeah. Raritan as their second best run blocker on Saturday. Wow. And 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 uh, on the whole team behind only Joe Alt. Now, again, three plays, but he mm-hmm. looked good on those three plays. And the guy that was at the bottom of that list was Kevin Bauman. And and so and that's one was like, okay, I, that's kind of what I saw too. And yeah. so I don't know if that's going to continue moving forward for PFF, but for this game, I felt like, okay. And then the grades matched. I mean, the grades, I mean, they graded them out higher again than they did against Ohio State, even though they didn't play as well because they were more realistic of what they should have been. Right. So uh, I, that's another personnel change that I would strongly consider making is that. And I would, yeah. I would play Raritan, Barong, and Holden Stace more as that number two tight end. But 12 personnel, unless you're willing to make a change, needs to be de emphasized. In my opinion, it yeah, does. I I really want to start seeing Raritan and Holden Stays play, Brian. I do because again, I don't want you Kevin can go. You can, hey, Ryan, off. you can like, put I wanna... all your freshmen in the first two games, and guess what your record would be? Same as it is now. Hundred percent. You could have started an all freshman offensive team on the first two weeks, and your you now it wouldn't have been as competitive, but your sure. record would be the same. So mm-hmm. what if you? I mean, seriously, you you don't have anything to lose. You're zero and two. You just lost at home to Marshall. Right. There is no, well, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. No, no. To a degree, that's true. But in a lot of other areas, it's like, you know what? We gave you a chance and we're going to go with the more talented kid. Because the problem is you're playing. It'd be one thing if you were making mistakes with the more talented player. Mm -hmm. Say, look, he'll get it right. Because you're making mistakes with guys that aren't as talented. And that's where I just, I can't accept that. I can't accept that. So put the talented kids out there, give them confidence, let them play do things to get Drew Pine rolling or he needs early success. I'll say this. If Drew Pine starts eight of eight against Cal, the way that Tyler did against Ohio state, this is going to be a very fun game to watch. Yes. Unless it's like a bunch of garbage. Cause like it was eight of eight, but 128 yards. I mean, if it, he hit an RPO went for, it's like that level of success, then this is going to be a fun game. Because I yep. do think of what it'll signify. And it'll get Drew comfortable and confident because Drew Pine is in desperate need of an infusion of confidence. The way that he's played in the spring, the way that he played against Marshall, the things that we saw at some of the practices. This is a kid who's regressed as a player. Now my hope is that he gets back to being the Drew Pine that's doing the you know the Connor McGregor strut after throwing a touchdown pass last year. A, a kid who thinks he's better than he is. I actually want that kid back. And yeah. if he can do that, and they can scheme some things to help them out, Ryan, then I think this team's got a chance to get this thing rolling again. I do. I There's too much see, talent just, for it not to happen. Need, I need to see good football, Brian. need to see it, man. It. It's got to happen sometime. It's got to happen sometime. Uh, I'm desperate for some good football right now. Because the Rams lost last week too, man. Well, so yeah, now hey. I'm, I'm 0-3 right now, buddy. At least you <laughs> lost to the great. Bills. Did you watch the Bronco game last night? I, I watched some of it before I went to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Same old, yeah. same old. At least Jerry Judy had a nice uh, touchdown catch during the game. Yeah, nice he, did. To see. yeah he, he did. He did. He did. Yeah, and it just goes to show that sometimes just throw it up. Give your guys a chance. Yeah, because that was not exactly a good ball from Russell Wilson. No, it wasn't. So, wasn't. And yeah. Jerry Judy's not really known as a 50-50 guy, but no. he made a nice play on that he one. Did. So he did. He really did. All right, we are going to get to some uh, super chats here in a minute, but but we wanted to wrap up this portion of the show. Obviously, Ryan, this is a team. This is stuff that can be fixed. The question is. 
Will they make the moves to fix it? It begins with accountability at the top at the, as the head coach. He's then got to let the coaches know this isn't good enough. All options are on the table. And, and he, if he needs to, he needs to step in and say, see that number 15 right there? That's the most talented kid you have at that position. If yeah. you can't figure out a way to get him going, then I'm going to find someone who can. Right? Now, I, I don't know if Marcus Freeman's got the personality. He's not as he's not an a-hole like I am to say it like that. You know, but that needs to be the message. Figure it out. See that kid number nine? It's got the fastest 10-yard split time in the history of tight ends in the, in, in the world. <laughs> um <laughs> Sorry, I had to needed to laugh. Then, 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 you know what? What are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, what, 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 what are we doing here? If you can't get that kid on the field, then, then, what are we doing here? And so, that's where it needs to be. And if they can make those changes, then I do think they can get this thing rolling. Now, are they going li- to throw fifty on the board on Saturday against Cal? I don't see that unless they get like a, you know, it's like a Wisconsin type of game where you get a couple pick sixes and a kick return. I don't see that. But I think they can at least get some momentum going where they can put some points on the board and and get this thing rolling to where then you go play a bad defense like North Carolina. You're going to go into that bye week with some momentum. That's yep. the key. Do what you got to do to get the win. Do what you got to do to kind of start getting some rhythm, build some confidence, because then you can start rolling. Because you're going to need this offense when you're not going to beat BYU 13 to 10. You're mm-hmm. not going to beat North Carolina's 20 to 17. I don't think. Nope. You know, of course, probably, but I also would said there's no way Alabama and Texas is going to be 2019. So who freaking knows in this crazy college football season, but it's probably not going to be the case. If you can get through these next couple games and get into the bye week with some momentum, then I think this team gets rolling. If not, then it's going to be ugly because it doesn't get easier from here. It doesn't. No. Not for no. the offense. We're talking about the offense. Now for the team, I mean, you've already played the best team you're going to play all year. We're talking about specifically for the offense. You, you have not played the best teams you're going to play yet defensively and uh they one of the better defenses they're going to play this year is the one they're going to face on saturday so it'll if they look good saturday that's a great sign a great sign okay so ryan that is going to be it before we go to the mailbag please hit that like button everybody hit that subscribe button hit the notification bell share this podcast if you're listening via podcast platform please give us a five-star review we would greatly greatly appreciate it and of course sign up for the message board at boards at irishbreakdown.com.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.